This morning I will be reading from Matthew 21, verses 12 through 16, from the New Living Translation. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, The scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. But the leaders were indignant. They asked Jesus, Do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied. Haven't you ever read the scriptures? For they say, You have taught the children and infants to give you praise. The word of the Lord. morning, church. It's a privilege to be able to speak this morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, or if I'm not familiar to you, I'm Adam Beyer. I am one of the pastors on staff here at Terwilliger Community Church. And what an exciting video to watch this morning and just to witness what God is doing uh, in the life of Southwest. And we are encouraged as well, all, God that is, all that God is doing here at TCC. Um, it's always a privilege to be able to preach and, and share the Word of God with you here. And this morning, I just wanted to give a quick update about what's going on in my life, and I'm excited to share that my wife, Jolene, is pregnant. Uh, we're about, yeah, it's exciting. So, for us, it's a, a huge answer to prayer, a prayer that we've been praying for years, and so we are very excited, and we await August when um, our little one will be joining our family. Uh, so that's very exciting. And it's interesting, this anticipation of this child coming, uh, what it does in, in my life. You know, I'm thinking about things differently than I have before. I start thinking things about what kind of a father am I going to be? How am I going to raise this child? How is the dynamics in my wife and I's relationship going to change? But then I also think about some very tangible things, like things like the nursery. And I go into our nursery room at our house right now, and it's currently set up as a guest room. And I look at it, and I'm like, man, there's a lot of stuff in here that is kind of cluttering this room. Like, there's no room for the baby. So I'm like, well, I'll move some of this stuff down into the basement. And I go down into our basement, and our basement, if it's, you know, if your basement's anything like ours, it's a drop zone, right? This is where we put all the stuff that we don't know what to do with. And I'm like, man, how am I going to fit all the stuff from the guest room into the basement? I'm like, oh, I'll go out to my garage. But I feel like my garage looks like this. And uh, I don't know if this, I got this off the internet. Hopefully this isn't anyone's garage here this morning. Um, <laughs> And I'm like, man, how, how am I going to make room for this little one? How am I going to make room for this, this child to join our family? So these are things that I'm thinking about. And as I've thought about this, I've been amazed to see how it parallels in my own life. I'm amazed to think and look at my own life and see that there are things in my life which seem to keep me from or, or get in the way of me experiencing certain realities or meeting certain goals. Does your life ever feel cluttered? I know that my life often feels cluttered. Maybe you think about relationships that you want to develop and grow in, and, and you think of friends, and you're like, man, we've got to get together with that couple. We've got to get together with that person. And week after week, you keep pushing back the appointment. Or maybe there's a book that sits on your nightstand that you've had for a year, and you're just waiting to crack the cover, and you haven't yet because you just don't have any time. Or maybe there was a gym membership that you bought back in January and you've been a couple times and you're like, I just, I need to find time and make room for me to go to the gym and, and exercise and get in shape, but you just can't find the time. Or maybe you think about 
family relationships in your life, then maybe you're, you're a parent this morning and you, you look at your kids and you're like, I want to invest more in the lives of my kids. I want to spend time with them. I want to lead them in their lives. But night after night, your head hits the pillow and you think, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow I'll find time. Have you ever found that clutter in your life maybe gets in the way of your spiritual life, your faith? You know, we talk a lot about prayer here at TCC. And you think about prayer, and you want to be a person who prays. You want to be a person who's bringing your concerns to God. And, but day after day, it's like, maybe tomorrow I'll find time to pray. Or maybe it's your devotional life, reading the scriptures. And, and you want to get into God's word. You want to really know God's heart, but you just never seem to get around to reading the Bible. Or it's confusing, or you just, it becomes this distant thing. Maybe it's getting more involved at church, and you, you want to join a home group. You want to get involved here at the church in a more tangible way, but you look at your schedule, you look at your life, you're like, how can I make this work? I don't have time for one more thing. I think so often this is our reality. And it's interesting, it's like when I walk into our guest room and I think, how am I going to have room for this baby to come in here? You know, similarly, I, I look at my life, how am I going to have time for that thing that I know is so important? These relationships that I know I'm supposed to cherish. And I find this difficult in my spiritual life because when the clutter is there, you, you feel behind. You feel like you're maybe missing out in your relationship with Jesus. And you think about promises from Scripture, you know, verses like in Matthew chapter 11 where Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Or in John chapter 10 where Jesus says um, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Or you read in Matthew chapter 28 when Jesus is saying to his disciples, go into the world, make disciples, and as you go about doing this, trust and believe that my presence will be with you. These are beautiful passages in Scripture. But then maybe you look at your, your life and you're like, God, is this the rest that you have for me? Is this what it means for your presence to be here? Because it doesn't feel very great right now. Lord, is, is this the promise of true life? Am I living in this? But as I ask these questions, I, I start thinking and I wonder if that I'm maybe not experiencing some of these realities because I'm not making room for Jesus. So what do we do with the clutter and the busyness of life? What do we do when it feels overwhelming? What do, what do we do when our heart feels a bit like this garage? How do we make room? The passage that we had read for us this morning is probably familiar to most of us. And it's one that shocks us and causes us to pause as we read the Gospels. And what I love about this passage, you know, it, it shows up in all four Gospels. It's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm going to refer to each of those this morning. Um, some people believe that the account in John is a separate account from what happens in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I don't think that. I think that they're one account. Um, we're not going to talk too much about that this morning. But I really believe that in this passage, we receive a glimpse into the heart of God that addresses this tension of what do we do with the clutter. And in this passage, I believe that we have an invitation from Jesus for us to make room for Him in our lives. Jesus desires that we make room for Him. Not that He wants to be another piece of clutter, not that He wants to busy our lives even more, but as we make room for Jesus, I really believe that we begin walking with him 
And we can navigate the busyness of life in a totally different way. So let's dive into this text and learn what Jesus has to teach us about making room. And what I want us to see in this text is that Jesus made room in the temple. Jesus made room in the temple. And when we read this, the natural question is, why on earth is Jesus doing this? You know, if if any one of us went into a shopping mall and started, you know, flipping tables and throwing over different kiosks and stands, you'd find yourself in the back of a police car quite quickly. And we look at Jesus' behavior and we're like, this is unacceptable. What are you doing? What is going on? But as we read this, we, we need to imagine the scene. Jesus enters into the temple and he witnesses a market rather than a place of worship. He witnesses clutter. In John's gospel, we read that zeal or passion begins to consume Jesus because of what he's seeing. Jesus acts this way because the behaviors of the merchants and the buyers seem to have forgotten the purpose of the temple. And they instead are using the, perp- they're using the temple for their own purpose. And this reminds me of a, a commercial that Apple put out a number of years ago about an iPad. And if you can picture the scene, uh, there's a, a lady standing over a pot and she's cutting some things up and putting it in the pot. And right next to her is her father who's also standing at a counter and he's also cutting things up. And this conversation emerges. The daughter asks her father, Hey, father, are you enjoying the new iPad that we got you for your birthday? He says, Oh, yeah, I have. He says, Well, are you finding it useful? He says, Yeah, I use it every day. And then she asks this question, Well, what, what apps are you using on your iPad? And the father turns from where he's working, and in one hand he has a knife, and the other he has the iPad, and there's a bunch of vegetables piled up on the iPad. <laughs> And he goes to the the pot and he scrapes it all into the pot. And he says, what's an app? (laughs) It's this hilarious commercial. But the father in this commercial has completely not realized the purpose of the iPad. He, He opens this package, he takes this thing out, and he thinks to himself, this is a very smooth glass surface. This would make a great cutting board. And he ignores the purpose of of the iPad. Similarly, this is what's happening in the temple. The purpose of the temple was to connect people to God. The purpose of the temple was to provide a place for people to know God. In the Old Testament, we read about the tabernacle that's in the wilderness, and we read about the temple that gets built in Jerusalem. Both of these places acted as as an avenue for people to know God. The temple temple in Jerusalem was meant to, to be an avenue for mercy. It, it, was, it existed to mediate mercy between men and God. It was to point people to God. It was to connect people to God. If you had sin in your life, if you were struggling in your relationships, if you knew that you were not right with God, the temple was not a place to fear. It was not a place to be anxious about coming to because you knew when you went to the temple you would be met by the mercy and grace of God. That your sin would be covered at the temple. It was not a place where you'd go and experience the wrath of God. It was not a place where you'd go and God would slap you on the hand. No, it was the place where the Father God would reach out His arms and extend to you His mercy. And there were sacrifices involved in all these things, but it was where people were made right with God. 
Jesus says that the temple was to be a house of prayer, a place where people could connect with the Father. Yet we read in these accounts that the merchants in the temple had made it a den of robbers. And this term is not a term that refers to a common thief or a pickpocket. Rather, it refers to, it implies conspiracy or uprising against major authorities. Commentators on this passage look at the term den of robbers and they they look at it to mean one of two things. Either it's, it's saying that the temple was being used as a nationalistic stronghold for the Jews. So it was kind of their way of saying... You know, we don't want to be a part of you Romans, um, and, and this is our Jewish heritage. This is, you know, we're being strong in this. Or it points to the abuse of the temple's purpose. So basically the conspiracy, the uprising, is against God himself. These men are, are putting their authority and their use of the temple above God's purpose for it. This den of robbers took away the physical space which was set apart for people to worship. You know, imagine coming to church... Imagine seeking mercy. Imagine desiring to worship God, desiring to connect with God, but being surrounded by noise and clutter. Not being able to hear the worship band because you're hearing two people dispute the price of a product. Well, that's the scene. That's what's going on. And this stirs zeal in the heart of Jesus. Jesus was passionate about connecting people with God. And so his actions work to put the temple back to its purpose, to become a house of prayer. Jesus desired that they would make room in the temple. And he does this in two ways. The first way is the one that really startles and troubles us. He physically drives out those who were selling and buying there. He flips the tables of the money changers. And he says, get out of here. We need to make room for worship. But the other thing that Jesus does, and I think we often miss this in these passages, is that Jesus demonstrates the purpose of the temple. In Matthew 26, what we had read for us this morning, we read that the blind and the lame came to Jesus and he healed them. The temple was a place where you could come and receive healing. Also in Matthew 26, we see Jesus encouraging worship, saying we need to worship God in this place. In Mark and Luke we read that Jesus used the temple as a a place to teach the people the heart of God. So we see Jesus not only driving out those who were not using the temple correctly, but also demonstrating to the people that the temple is a place where you meet with God. Is it a place where if you are sick and hurting, you can find healing? It is a place where you can come and worship God. It is a place where you can come and hear the heart of God communicated through the teaching of God's word. So that's what Jesus does. This is what is going on. Jesus was clearing the temple to make room for right worship. To make room for God in the temple. To see the temple returned to its intended purpose. So what does this passage have to say to us this morning? I believe that Jesus' example in this passage teaches us that we too need to be passionate about making space making room in our lives for God. Jesus' example in this passage teaches us that we too need to be passionate about making room for God in our lives. And when I look at my own life, I wonder if like a temple, like the temple described in these passages, how does clutter in my life make me miss my purpose? Which might lead us to ask the question, well, what is our purpose? 
Uh, my dad tells this great story to kind of illustrate this point about a lieutenant in the LAPD who joined um, and began to oversee the freeway squad in L.A. And the freeway squad had a special division that was designed to catch um, really fast cars. And this lieutenant felt it would be appropriate for him to go along on a night watch drive. And so he gets into this police car and they turn on the engine. It's like, rum, 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 and it's just like rumbling, right? And he's sitting there. He's like, man, this car, there's a lot going on under the engine. And they drive to an overpass and they wait. And sure enough, about 3 a.m., a Lamborghini goes ripping down the freeway. And so they fire the car up, they go down the off-ramp, and they start chasing this Lamborghini. They pace with it, and they clock it, going 190 kilometers an hour. Eventually, they get the Lamborghini to pull over. And to the surprise and shock of the lieutenant, the drivers of the Lamborghini jump out, and they come running at the police car. And he's like, oh no, what's going to happen? But these men were not threatening. Instead, they were extremely excited. And they said, how did you catch us? What do you got going on under the engine? And they handcuff these men. They impound their vehicle. And once the adrenaline's come down, the lieutenant goes to the police officer who was driving. And he says, you know, I have a few concerns. You know, I'm lieutenant. I'm, I'm overseeing this squad. And this car has obviously been altered. There's obviously something going on here. But I'm worried that we're going to blow out the engine. I'm worried that in a pursuit, you know, something might go wrong and someone might get hurt. But the cop says to the lieutenant, he said, you don't need to worry about that. He said, before we touched the engine, we called the manufacturer. We called the manufacturer and we asked him, how do we get the most out of the engine without blowing it? And they gave us the instruction and we followed their instruction. I think this is a great story. Because if we believe that the Bible is true, if we believe that the message of the Bible is true, if we believe that God has created us and that he's created us with a purpose and a plan, that we need to trust that God is the manufacturer and that he knows how we can get the most out of our lives without blowing the engine. God knows how we can get the most out of our lives without blowing the engine. The Westminster Shorter Catechism asks the question, what is the purpose of man? And this is what it says. It says, the purpose of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The purpose of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. You know, A.W. Tozer quotes this. John Piper quotes this. This is a very well-known statement. This isn't, a ver- this isn't something where you can look in Scripture and say, oh, here's exactly where it lays. Um, But I believe that between Genesis and Revelation of the Scripture, we get this unfolding narrative of the purpose of man. And I believe that this, this statement really holds true. That our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That is our purpose. And it's a purpose not much unlike the temple. This temple that, that Jesus clears out. In 1 Corinthians, Paul stresses that we are now the temple of God, because God's Holy Spirit indwells us. That connection to God, forgiveness from sin, is made available to us as we engage by faith in our relationship with Jesus. So do you see what I'm getting at here? Jesus' zeal was stirred because the purpose of the temple was being ignored. That caused passion and zeal to rise up in him. How often do we ignore our created purpose? How often do we totally forget and put to the side the fact that 
We're designed to worship God and enjoy Him. It's not that I picture Jesus storming into our lives and flipping tables. Rather, I believe we need to see in these texts the invitation for us to share in Jesus' zeal about making room in our lives. In the way that Jesus saw the temple being misused, we need to examine our own hearts and say, man, God, am I living in the purpose that, that you have for me? Am I living the way that you've called me to live? Because when clutter comes into our lives, when we don't make room for God, much like the temple, it can be as if a den of robbers has occupied our hearts, distorting and taking away from our true purpose. So what is the clutter that comes in our lives? Sometimes the clutter is sin. And sin is very simply, when we know what God has called us to do, we know God's word, we know what it says, but we're choosing not to live the way that the Bible is telling us to live. We're living in disobedience to God's word. That's sin. And some of you sitting here this morning, you're, you're struggling with sin in your life. And the invitation in this passage is to repent of that. To turn away from that sin. Maybe there's someone you need to talk to and get help with that. But sin will clutter our lives. It takes us away from our creative purpose. But sometimes the clutter is very simply misplaced priorities. The things that we find that keep us from our purpose, you know, I don't think they're inherently bad. This may be misplaced. And this is interesting. When we understand this passage, the money changers and the people who were selling animals in the temple, you could argue that they were fulfilling a very necessary service. According to the Old Testament, when they came to the temple, you needed to be able to offer a sacrifice but you also needed to pay a temple tax. And so we see these men setting up their, setting up shop in the temple. They're providing animals for sacrifice, and they're exchanging money so that people are able to pay their temple tax. So you look at this, you're like, well, aren't these necessary services? But the problem is when these necessary things, like paying the temple tax and providing animals, the problem is when these necessary things become the ultimate thing. And they keep, keep us from our purpose. The problem is when necessary things in our lives become the ultimate things and keep us from our purpose. I'm beginning to realize that when I'm not experiencing the rest that Jesus has for me, the joy, the promise of full life that I have allowed things, oftentimes very good things, to become clutter in my life, which keeps me from living in God's purpose for me. I don't know if you can relate to that. And these good things often begin with me creating my own purpose. You know, I think of even this morning, if I think that my purpose in life is to be a great pastor and a great preacher, you know, you might say, well, that's a good ambition. But that's a problem. Because I'm allowing that to take away from the purpose that God has created me for. And it can very easily become clutter. If you think your purpose in life is to reach the height of your career, similarly, very naturally in that pursuit, it's going to come with different types of clutter that take you away from your created purpose. If you think your purpose in life is to be a fantastic parent and have a great family, again, an incredibly good ambition, but the problem is that when that becomes your primary purpose, it's very naturally going to take away from the purpose that God has created you for. And these are good things. 
But when we see our purpose as bringing glory to God and enjoying Him, this becomes the context in which we engage in life. Then, then suddenly me being a great pastor or preacher is it, not the purpose in and of itself. Rather, it is an extension of my worship to God. And I see the opportunity to be a pastor, the opportunity to preach as an opportunity to worship God. And the enjoyment part is me saying, God, I want to do this with you. I want to partner with you. And then suddenly my purpose is enjoying God and worshiping Him. And I get to express that in the context of being a pastor. Similarly with your careers. You get up, you go to work every day, but if you view that as an expression of worship, Lord, as I go to work today, I want it to be worship unto you. And I want to enjoy you in the context of my workplace. Or as a parent, to say, Lord, my purpose is to worship you and glorify you forever. Your raising of your children, the time you spend with your family becomes an expression of your worship and an opportunity for you to enjoy God. You see the difference. And what I love about this definition of purpose is that it invites us into a partnership with God in every single aspect of our lives. And we talk a lot about this concept as a church staff. And this is something we pray for you um, regularly, is, is that you would be people who walk with Jesus. We pray that for this church often. That they would walk, you would walk with Jesus, which is really a prayer that you'd understand that your purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Jesus is zealous about us walking out our purpose, about seeing us experience the rest and the peace that He has for us. He desires us to experience the full life that He has promised in His Word. And for, but for some of us, it may seem that there are some tables in our lives that need to be flipped. But we need to join in the passion that Jesus demonstrates for us. When we read about Jesus flipping the tables, it disturbs us. It's this thing that shocks us. But how can we share in that passion and look at our own lives and say, God, I want to make room for you. I want to be as passionate about having space for you in my life as you were passionate to see the temple cleared. A French theologian, in reflecting on this, has written this poem, and I think it's, it's so appropriate. I have a need of such clearance as the Savior effected in the temple of Jerusalem, a riddance of clutter of what is secondary that blocks the way to the all-important central emptiness which is filled with the presence of God. You know, what a beautiful prayer. Coming to God and saying, Lord, I have a need of the same clearance. The clearance that Jesus worked in the temple. Lord, I need that clearance done in my own life. So how does this play out? Well, for some of us, I think this, is, this message might come as a very simple reminder. It's like, yes, like I get this. I, I desire this in my life. And I, my prayer is that as we look at Jesus clearing the temple, you feel encouraged and, and inspired in that. But for others of us, we might be hearing this, we're like, yeah, well, where does this even start? This sounds great, but, but where does this even start? I think it starts with taking time. We cannot make room for Jesus in our lives without first taking time to do so. And this can be very difficult for us. 
This, this causes us to pause and look at our routine and say, okay, where can this fit? How do, how do I engage in this? But if we don't take time, we will fail to make room. <clears throat> and as we begin taking time, we may feel the sense of clutter. We might see this clutter. So I think the next thing we need to do is identify the, and clear the clutter in our lives. So as, as you pray about this, as you start wondering about this, it's just a simple prayer of, Jesus, what is the clutter in my life? What are the things that keep me from you? What's something in my day-to-day life that I can do less of so that I can engage with you more? And as we pray that, we need to allow Jesus to answer. And it might result in us reprioritizing some things in our schedules. Next, we need to engage in devotional practices. You know, and it's funny as I say this, because I I really don't like when I'm preaching to ever leave the application of read your Bible and pray, (laughs) because it's like, we hear that so much, but it's so important. We need to be engaging in prayer and Bible study. These expressions are, are so important for us as we make room for God in our lives. But the trouble with this is that we know this. You don't need me to tell you to read your Bible and pray. You know this. I remember a time I was mentoring a young guy at, um, at Prairie College. And um, he was reading a book on leadership. And part of our mentoring relationship was for me to discuss these books with him. And, and he said, yeah, you know, those chapters on prayer. It's like, I just, I just skipped them because, you know, it's prayer. And so I said, oh, so you understand prayer. Yeah, it's prayer, you know. I've been going to church my whole life. So the next question is, well, do you pray? And he began to lift, list off for me all the reasons why he doesn't pray, which I thought was interesting. But there's this reality. If, we, if you are not praying, you do not understand prayer. If you are not reading God's word, you do not understand God's word. Because prayer and reading God's word are the very expressions in which we connect with God's heart. How are we to make room for God if we're not talking to him? through prayer and hearing from Him, hearing Him speak to us through His Word. So these these practices are so important. And maybe you think of reading your Bible and you're like, I don't even know where to start. Well, this week I'll be posting the very last of our our How to Read the Bible podcast series. Um, And I just encourage you to check that out as a resource. And it's just eight podcast episodes. They're 20 minutes each. You can listen to them between your house and your workplace as you're driving in your car. Um, and it's just a, it's a conversation about how do we engage in Bible reading. So that might be a helpful resource. And prayer. I've heard that prayer is often like, often like a fingerprint. It's different for each person. But growing in prayer is simply beginning to pray. Just begin to pray. And I want to leave you with a really practical application as well. And that's just to carve out intentional time. Carve out small, intentional blocks of time. So I really think that making room might begin with this. And this is the simplicity of you identifying time in your day that transitions. And I've I've just started doing this um, in the past couple of weeks. And either before or after lunch, I, I take five minutes and I just slow down and I pray. And I pray about work. I pray about things in life. I pray about things that might be bothering me. And then I sit and I listen. 
and I spend two minutes in silence. And two minutes is a terribly long time when you're not used to times of silence. And then I go about my day. And then before I go home from, from church here, I, I stop again and I take another five minutes. And it's just taking these opportunities to say, Jesus, I want to make room for you in your life. And this isn't a pastor thing. This is an every one of us thing. So maybe for you, when you, you're coming back from your lunch break at work, before you open your emails, before you dive into all the things you need to do, take five minutes. Say, Jesus, I just want to take five minutes and pray. I want to listen to you. And then before you go home, maybe you get in your car, before you turn the ignition of that vehicle, sit and pray. Say, Jesus, I want to make room for you in my life today. These are very simple application points. But yes, Jesus demonstrates for us in this passage the need for us to make room. Jesus demonstrates for us the passion that he has, the passion of God's heart that says that this temple was meant for a specific purpose and that purpose is not being met. And we need to share in that passion as we examine our hearts and ask Jesus, Lord, I want to make room in my life. I desire that I would walk in the purpose that you have for me. I desire to walk in the purpose that you have for me. I invite the worship team to come up. You guys can start getting ready to play. In response to this message, we're going to be singing uh, that familiar song. We sing it here quite often uh, called The Stand. And The Stand has this declarative part in it where, you know, it's a nice stand with arms high and, and hearts surrendered in awe of the one who paid it all. And it ends with this statement that all I am is yours. All that I am is yours. And I encourage you as we sing this song this morning, make that your prayer. A prayer of saying, Jesus, I want to make room for you in my life. I want to make room. Lord, my life feels cluttered. It feels busy. It feels bogged down. I feel frustrated. Lord, I don't feel the rest that you promised me in your word. I don't feel the full life that you promised in your word. But I I want to. I want to experience these things. Lord, help me to make room for you. Let's stand and pray together and we'll sing this song. Karen, can you put that slide back up with the poem on it? If you can, that'd be great. Father God, we just praise you and thank you for the example that is set for us in your word. Lord, of Jesus desiring to see the temple restored to its purpose. Lord Jesus, I believe that you desire to see us walk in the purpose that you created us for. That we would be people who live a life of worship, a life of enjoying you, of engaging in life with you, alongside of you, Lord. But Jesus, you know the the trouble that we all have in that. God, the struggle to make time, the struggle to slow down in in a world that is so busy and so cluttered. But Jesus, we desire that you would do that work. So Lord, we pray this, this poem together, Lord, that we have a need of such clearance that you affected in the temple of Jerusalem, God, that you would rid our hearts of clutter, of what is secondary, the things that block the way to the all-important central emptiness, which is filled by your presence. 
So Jesus, we pray that you would help us by the power and strength of your Holy Spirit to make room. Jesus, help us to make room. Amen.